read one verse of scripture in the beginning here. Jude, verse 3. I read these last week, but continue a different way. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. New Living Translation, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Message Bible. Dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write, insisting, begging, that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish. I talked to you last week about the, the true church, the ecclesia, contending with the religion of humanism. Yes, humanism is a religion. It has doctrines. It has beliefs that it preaches. It, it evangelizes through arts and entertainment, through some in government, the media, our education system especially. Its priests are often tenured professors or news anchors or editors or bloggers and some in the House of Representatives or the Senate. But it preaches socialism, communism, and now Nazism and Antichrist rhetoric. But it has sterilized the words, making them seem more innocent. They, they call themselves liberals or liberalism or, uh, or progressivism. Humanism seeks to remove Christianity from society. It seeks to silence the church, and it seeks to intimidate it through submission to godless laws and philosophies. It is ratcheting up, uh, the recent months it is ratcheting up the persecution now of Christians. And on this 4th of July weekend, I want to continue to address just a few moments, contending, fighting, and standing for our freedoms, just like our founding fathers and mothers did about 250 years or so ago. Because yes, in many ways, freedom and liberty and uh, the ability to worship our God however we want to and whenever we want to, wherever we want to, is still at stake. And uh, we are only a decade or so away, we are told, from uh, losing those freedoms. The ecclesia must, must contend against demon doctrines and raise an uh, awakening alarm against passivity. We've got to wake up the passion of commitment to our God and patriotism in our nation. A recent poll in our nation's colleges revealed 
that a large a number of our college get graduates now openly believe that America is a, an evil nation. Socialism and not, Nazism has made its inroads, it's rooted. And we need to exemplify and boldly declare a word the Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. We need to exemplify this trait. Second Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Believing what God says is sound-mindedness. All the other rhetoric, you can fill in the gap. The Revised Standard Version, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Kenneth Alford's New Testament translation reads, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. Kenneth Knox translation, the spirit he has bestowed on us is not one that shrinks from danger. The Amplified Bible of verse 7 and 8, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Do not blush or be ashamed then to testify to and for our Lord. Hear that, please. Ecclesia here and around our world. Do not cower. Do not shrink back. Do not shy away. Do not blush. Do not flinch. Do not be ashamed. Our king said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I come back with the angels. Luke 9, 26 says, do not bow in shame. Do not fear. We are not to be intimidated. While we are to be a loving people, we are not to be a passive people. While we are to be a gracious people, we must refuse to be a dominated people. While we are to be patient, we should never be gullible. While we are to be gentle of spirit, we must not be reticent cowards, refusing to fight when a fight is called for. Meekness does not mean weakness in the Bible. It means strength under discipline. David was willing to fight. Abraham, when his family was taken from him by the enemy warriors, he was willing to fight. Deborah was willing to fight. Elijah was willing to fight the prophets of, of Baal. Hezekiah was willing to fight. Michael and Gabriel, archangels, they were willing to fight. Jesus fought principalities and powers and mights and dominions, and he spoiled them, putting his foot on their neck and shouting, all authority is mine. Simply put, there are occasions when we are called to fight. We are to contend. We are to be bold. We are to be aggressive and stand for the cause of Christ, stopping hell's intrusion into our heritage. Stopping 
strategies of darkness, stopping doctrines of demons, seeking to indoctrinate our children, stopping the destruction of a nation that is built on holy scriptures and is born, a nation born to be a light to the world. Leonard Ravenhill writes in his book, America, Too Young to Die. This is the day of arrogant iniquity. It struts and it strides, it screams from the billboards. It flashes across the television screens. In a day when crime and cruelty saturate the press and the television news, the public thirsts for more. It devours television mayhem, murder, sadomasochism. This is the day when all that is vile, vulgar, vicious, vain, virtuous, tends to get the headlines. And, a mil and millions of dollars are, are invested to see that this tide of moral scum does not decrease. He continued the disparity between New Testament Christianity and today's passive church in a dying world is a sorry sight. Indeed, scared Christianity is a sorry sight when vigorous contention is called for we must vigorously contend Thomas Jefferson wrote these reflective and powerful words all tyranny needs to gain a foothold is for people of good conscience to remain silent appeasement is never an answer for aggression it is submission to aggression. It's time to fight a vigorous defense of our faith. Lutheran pastor Martin Neymoller, upon his liberation from the Dachau concentration camp, 1945, and we've got to start paying attention to this. It's been on my radar for several months because of the in, intense persecution of Christians that is now beginning to amp up in, in our, our nation. And we've got to push back against it. Uh, having gained freedom, we can't give it up by being passive. But that concentration camp saw thousands of people burned in gas chambers they starved they were beaten they were tortured they were used uh, as scientific experiments and he was in that concentration camp he is a Lutheran pastor when he was liberated from that camp in 1945 he said this in Germany when the Nazis came for the communists I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist then they came for the trade unions, but I said nothing because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I kept quiet because I wasn't a Catholic. Later they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't say a word. Then they came for me, and by that time there was no one left to speak up for me. Before it's too late, we must speak up.
Humanism, progressivism, and liberalism is coming for us. We must vote. And it can't be woke. We got to vote freedom. We've got to vote biblical as best we can. Dr. Robert White in his book, Awake America, writes this. Good people must never acquiesce to the godless who seek to destroy their freedoms. Whether overtly through aggression, war, or terror, or covertly through deception, manipulation, and political encroachment. In every battle between those who sought to enslave and those who refused to be enslaved, freedom prevailed only in those situations where someone loved freedom more than life. Liberty is too precious to be bartered away or to bow before the power hungry who seek to enslave. Liberty is too precious to be bartered away. We cannot trade our liberty for what has no profit. Daniel Webster in 1851 said this, our destruction, should it come, will be from the inattention, the inattention of the people to the concerns of their country from their carelessness and negligence. I must conf confess that I do apprehend some danger. It's appalling how many pay no attention or they are afraid, they fear getting involved. Marcus Tullius uh, Cicero, a great philosopher and politician in the waning years of the Roman Empire, said this. A nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. For the traitor appears no traitor. He speaks in the accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their garments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars. In the night... In the darkness, passing laws. In the darkness, changing votes. He infects the body politics so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to be feared. The traitor is the carrier of the plague. He appeals to the baseness that lies in the heart. Baseness refers to moral lows, in other words, low-down morals, low-down values, refers to greed or selfishness, very low character. Certainly there are aspects of government and politics in some cases that appeal to the selfishness in people's hearts, and it rots the soul of this nation. 
the media covering truth or lying with impunity or even condemning the truth is a traitor within this nation. Educators who declare good evil and evil good are treasonous purveyors of rot to the soul of our nation. Those in the body politic who undermine the pillars of a nation hidden in the nighttime escapades, conniving, spinning, uh, weaving a fraudulent lie are treasonous traitors. Those who oppose Jehovah God, the Creator, are ambitious fools. The church must rise against the baseness and the rot, declaring truth and contending to change things. In 1976, President Ronald Reagan was running for presidency. He wasn't president yet. I was just in my mid-twenties at the time, and I was trying to think life through a little bit. I hadn't been to Bible school, still working in the concrete business and thinking about school, but I hadn't done it. And, and I, but I always paid attention to what was happening in the nation. It always intrigued me, still does. But he was running for, for president, and he made a statement that that just rang inside of me. And it still does to this very day. He looked into the cameras and he was an awesome communicator. But he looked into the cameras and he said, a troubled and an afflicted mankind is looking to us, pleading for us to keep our rendezvous with destiny. I believe we have a rendezvous with destiny. We are here as Queen Esther and as Mordecai for such a time as this. I believe we can transform this nation. I do not believe it's hopeless, not if we engage. If we, if we engage, I believe we can awaken this nation. I believe America has another rendezvous with destiny like Jude says in verse 20 we need to build ourselves up on our most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit and contend for the faith we need to seek and receive a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and rise up with that anointing to reclaim this nation to see reformation and revival the world war ii generation is often referred to as the greatest generation why because in many ways they turned america uh, around they brought us through the economic depression they brought us through hitler's nazis his their armies They brought us through Japanese aggression. They brought us through the devastation of our Navy sinking, being blown to pieces at Pearl Harbor. They brought us through the Korean 
conflict and they helped America become the number one superpower in the world. Inscribed in the base of the United States Marine Corps War Memorial in Washington, D.C., built by that great generation, are the words of Admiral Chester Nimitz. They're very descriptive, they're very inspiring, they're very powerful, they're very enlightening. The words on that, that monument were written with the blood of our young men and young women, thousands of them. It reads, uncommon valor was a common virtue. Valor isn't all that much a common virtue in our times, and we have got to change that. The ecclesia needs to rekindle valor. Displaying behavior at a very high level. Displaying hearts that are morally good, not perfect, but morally good. Ways committed to, to God's ways. We need to keep our rendezvous with destiny. If the real church, the ecclesia, will rise up and be who Christ calls us to be, I believe that we can make valor common again. If the people of God will rise and declare the truth, we can make valor common again. If we believe and will pray and will seek the face of our God, we can make valor common again. If the saints will rise and make a committed stand for righteousness that exalts a nation, we can make valor common again. Yes, America needs changed. Yes, we can change it. We can stop humanism. We can stop the cultural pollution. We can turn America back to God. We can win. We can expose the deep state. We can, we can expose hell's diabolical plans. And I am praying that, that we do exactly that. I believe Holy Spirit, he's doing something across the whole span of the ecclesia now. And I believe he's calling deep inside of those who, who know Jesus as Lord. Deep is calling to deep in us on this July 4th. And he's saying, rise with uncommon valor and contend for your faith. Rise with uncommon valor and represent your king. Rise with uncommon valor and bind demon doctrines. Rise with uncommon valor and speak the truth. Speak it louder than the lies. Rise with uncommon valor and rendezvous with destiny. Along with the early apostles, along with the heroes of the faith, along with, with heroes of war after war after war, along with the founding fathers who risked 
their lives. Arise with the mothers who watched their kids go to battle and wept over their losses. Rise and make valor common again. Stand up for Christ. He'll stand up for us. Overwhelm humanism with the overwhelming presence of the living God. Surging through your life. Overwhelm humanism going from glory to glory to glory to glory. We must stand as the prevailing ecclesia. The prevailing ecclesia of King Jesus. And forbid humanism's advance. Bind it. Scatter it. Shatter it. Destroy it. Again, shout it. Shout truth louder than it is. And if we will, we will participate in one of the great, great victories in all of world history. We'll hear our God declare a victory to his prevailing ecclesia. On this July 4th, may we take the time to really cherish freedom. Really cherish it and commit. Commit. No one takes it from us. No one. It is our God-given right. It is our destiny. May these next few years, may history record, they kept their rendezvous with destiny. I want to close with uh, the American anthem in just a moment. I think it's a good way um, to close. A couple of years or so ago, I, I was so burdened for this nation and I've tried to get out of it. I was like, God, why, you, why do I care so much? Uh, let me do something else. Let me preach on joy. <laughs> I knew I needed to travel around the counties and other neighboring states, and it turned into a national thing where I would go and have awakening weekends. And I knew I needed something to help the prayer time, and I, some of you know the story. I'm telling that for those who don't and those that are watching. But I turned to Rachel and I, one day I said, write a song of decrees, of prayers for our nation so that we can put scenes to it. And we did it all in-house, by the way. We set it there and put the scenes to it. But uh, I need a song. And I thought, well, it's just for, you know, maybe a year or so. I never dreamed I was just beginning. I never dreamed what I'm about to get into this fall next year. But what a song. She came and said, you think this will work? I thought, you don't know what you've just done. Recently, in fact, this past week, Charisma Magazine picked it up, interviewed her, and started talking about the American anthem. A lot of churches are playing it today. We're going to be one of them. In this song, there are decrees over our nation 
And I'm not going to extend the time because we have other things to do, and that's fine. But we are going to take these, these few moments during this song, and we're going to pray for this nation. And we're going to declare the victory of King Jesus. And we're going to declare these words of declaration. You know, I never learned how to whistle like that. We were in Florida, and Dutch whistled like that, sitting next to me. I'm like, I, I, I can't, I never could, I never could get it. Even when I was by myself, I would try it. You know, try all kinds of, I could never do it. Good, that's great. Uh, but from your heart, make these decrees, and uh, let it close our, our, our day. Then I'll step up and I'll close in prayer and, and you can be released to the foyer. This song is going to continue to be an anthem. Uh, where I go this fall, it's already increasing. And, and next year, I don't, I'm just, we're just going to do what God says. Men, thank you for your support. So dim the lights and let's, let's pray this song.
Such a time, revive. 